So let's uh, open with prayer. Father, I thank you for your word and for the power and truth that's in it. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence with us. As your word says, you are here. We welcome you and we invite you to have your way with us. Father, I pray anything that I say today that is not of you would fall to the ground and die. But anything that is from you, I pray, Father, it would take root in the ears and hearts of those who have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Wake up! Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up! Sleepwalking. Today I want to talk to you about sleepwalking, or being a Christian that is sleepwalking through life. If you look at the words of that last song, it's Let the Light In. Carrie Job and her husband, uh, Cody Carn, each have a version of this song, or they sing the same song, but they each have their own release of it. It is a powerful song, and if you have not heard it, I would encourage you to Listen to it. It's one of those, which y'all know me, I've said before, I'll get a song in my heart and I just play it over and over and over again. And this is that song. And when Pastor Allen called and asked me to speak this Sunday, since he's out of town, uh, I immediately knew what I wanted to speak on. Was probably half of the times that I speak, um, I, I get a message while I'm worshiping the Lord. And it was through this song that I began to think about the words to it and the message that the Lord put on my heart to it. And it says, I'll, you, I'll read it. I'll, I'm just going to read to you the, uh, how I interpret this song. If I can not drop everything here. So if we look at it, it says, the Spirit says it's time for those asleep to wake. And it's time for the dead man to rise. time for us to lift the Lord up in praise, and by doing so, we make a way for him to enter into us and for us to enter into his presence. And our praise flings open the heavenly gates and a window to our heart opens up for his light to shine in us. And when his light shines in us, we reflect that light back out to those around us. There's a lot of darkness in the world right now. There always has been, though. Uh, going back and reading the scripture, there's some dark days there. And it's prophesied. There'll be some dark days ahead of us, right? But just because there are dark days and there's darkness around it, it doesn't mean that we have to, it has to be a part of our life. Um, we should be a light in that darkness. As recorded in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, it says, A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'm not speaking about salvation by works. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about that if you're a believer, the light that is in you comes out. People just see it. There's something unusual about this person, and I want it. And as believers, that's, that's what people should see in us, not some gift that we have, not how we look outwardly. It's what is it about that person that is so unique? 
It's possible for us to get distracted by things around us, events happening to us and to others. And there's a host of things that can result in our just kind of going through the motions of walking out our Christian life. I've been there. I don't have probably everybody at some point in their life, you just are numb and you just kind of come to church sometimes. You just kind of go about doing things in life. But there's no light shining out of you. There's nothing about you that people like, wow, I want what they have. They don't want what you have when you're sleepwalking through your Christian life. Sleepwalking involves getting up and walking around while in a state of sleep. It's most common in children, more common in children than adults, and sleepwalking is usually outgrown by your teenage years. Anybody in here sleepwalk before or know people that sleepwalk? Anybody? few people. Someone who's sleepwalking may get out of bed and walk around and sit up in bed and open their eyes. Usually they have a glazed, glassy-eyed expression. Uh, most of the time they don't respond or communicate, although they can, if asked questions, they can respond. It may not make any sense, but they'll respond. Uh, it's usually difficult for them to wake up during one of these episodes. Uh, they usually are disoriented, disoriented and confused for a period of time uh, when they do wake. And they don't usually remember anything at all about what happened. And they usually have problems functioning the next day because they didn't get any sleep. Uh, sometimes a person who is sleep, sleepwalking will do routine activities, such as getting dressed or talking or eating, leave the house, drive a car. I grew up with a boy whose name was Larry Davis. I think I met him in Little League, and we graduated from high school together. So we were always a part of each other's life. Small town. And when I think this was around when he was 12 years old, maybe a little younger, he would sleepwalk. He would get up and walk across the street in his underwear. And this was back when people's houses were left unlocked, right? He'd just walk through their front door, the Owens house. He'd sit on, the, on their couch. He'd turn the TV on and sit on their couch and just stare blankly at it. So... Of course, the Owens, what, what's going on? They get up and they come in there. It's like, Larry, what are you doing? And he'd just stare at the TV. And after a little bit, he'd get up, walk home, and get in bed. And he did this a number of times, enough times where finally they would hear something. Oh, that's just Larry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> if you Google sleepwalking, there's a lot of unusual stories out there about sleepwalking. The one that caught my attention was the account about a man whose wife woke up in the middle of the night to find her husband mowing their yard with his electric mower, naked. <laughs> she had heard stories about it being dangerous to wake up someone when they were sleepwalking, so she didn't wake him up. She did go over and unplug the electric uh, lawnmower, which he continued to mow the lawn anyway. He finished mowing, put up his mower, and went back to bed. The next morning, his wife was telling him about it, and he's like, there's no way. He didn't believe her until he looked out in the front yard and saw half of his yard was mowed. Now, not, that's just two examples of people that sleepwalk. In both those examples, the individuals are just simply going about doing something, almost subconsciously, right? They, they really didn't know what they were doing. They were just going through the motions, right? Like the guy whose lawnmower's unplugged, and he's just going through the motion of mowing his yard. Clearly, he's not mowing anything. It's just turned off. But those two stories didn't, nothing bad happened, but there's plenty of examples out there of people sleepwalking and bad things happen. Murders, people jumping out windows of high-rise apartments, uh, driving cars and getting in wrecks, 
uh, it's dangerous. It can be dangerous to the individual and to other people. And it can be just as dangerous as us is to walk around spiritually sleepwalking. I believe there's many ways to go through the motions of being a Christian, but to do that, often it means that you really are not in the relationship with the Lord that you should be. I heard a sportscaster talking about uh, a player, basketball player who was really talented. And while they were talking about him, one of the sportscasters commented that, you know, he's just always injured, to which the other sportscaster said, the best ability, the most important ability is availability. The most important ability is availability. As Christians, we, to be used by God, we need to be available to be used by him. I believe we all have unique gifts and talents that the Lord has blessed us with. For example, maybe you're blessed with a great voice or can play a musical instrument, and you have the opportunity to be on the worship team. But when given that opportunity, you choose not to do it. You're not making yourself available, even though you have that ability. I could put that in the category of you're just sleepwalking through your Christian life because you've got a talent, you've got an ability, and you're refusing to let the Lord uh, use you in that ability. In Matthew 25, it's the parable of the talents, and I realize this is small print, um, so I'll read through it here. So the kingdom, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. In the King James Version, it talks about the money being a talent, and the talent is just a measure of money. So uh, he entrusted them with it while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. And the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. And the master was full of praise. He said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let us celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let us celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you did not plant and gathering crops you did not cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you had known I harvested crops I did not plant and gathered crops I did not cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least it would have got some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant 
and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken from them. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 1 Thessalonians I don't guess I have it. First Thessalonians says, Ye are all children of light, and the children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. We are not to be asleep. We're to be awake, and we're to be active. Just like the servants that were given something to, to use on behalf of their master how two of them actually took advantage of that opportunity and the results of it, we just read. We also read about the one servant who was given an opportunity and he did nothing with it. He basically was just sleepwalking. Each of us have abilities. Each of us have, uh, have a, within us talents and gifts. And whether you believe that or not, how can you not look around and recognize that God, the creator of the world, has created some beautiful things. And he's created us to do things. When Jesus was asked, what are the most important commandments, here's what he said in Matthew 22. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. For people who say, well, I'm not gifted, I'm not talented. Well, these are the commands, the greatest commands that Jesus gave for us to do. For, have you ever seen a mother? I'm sure it's rare, but I don't, I've never seen a mother who gave birth to a child and then said, I, I, can't, I don't know how to love this child. No, that doesn't happen. I mean, that, it's instinctive. It's in you. It's there. You have a relationship with the child. You've carried it around inside you for nine months. You give birth to it, and what an amazing event that is. But when we come into a relationship with the Lord, and we come to know him as our father, how could we say, oh, I'm not gifted and talented enough to do these commandments. I can't love the Lord. I can't love my neighbor. How can you say that? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were born, God prepared things he wanted you to do. And would he have allowed you to be birthed and ask you to do things that he knew you were going to fail at? Absolutely not. He's equipped you. He's given you everything you need to succeed in life. And for us to sit back and say, I can't do it, I, that's not me. I'm, I mean, you get caught up in comparing yourself to other people, what they can do. But you were uniquely created to do something. And if you're just going to be asleep at the wheel, then you can see the results of that. Look at what Christ said to the third servant who just buried his money and did nothing with it. He just cast him out. He just cast him out. We don't want to be in a situation like that. In Romans 3.11, it says, this is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, wake up, for our salvation is nearer now 
than when we first believed. We don't have time to sleepwalk. We don't have time to wait around. We can't put things off to the next day because we don't know the day or the hour or the time of day in which Jesus is going to return. And we need to be awake. We need to be diligent. I mean, clearly Paul's not telling us to deprive ourselves of sleep. I mean, sleep and rest are good. Uh, you need to have it. But we don't need to deprive ourselves of being available to be used by the Lord. As I said, sleep is good for you. Rest is good for you. When Sean and I first married, uh, we had a lot of growing pains in our relationship. She was in her early 20s, and I was in my early 30s, and it was a long-distance relationship. So I started to sit down and talk, think through how, how many days did we actually spend together before I asked her to marry me, and it scared me, and I didn't. But we found out after we were married, we had a lot of differences, and we had a lot of strange habits that we had to get used to. And one of the habits that was a problem for her that I had was my sleeping habits. I had to sleep in total darkness. There could be no light. I mean, I'm talking about blackout curtains. I'm talking about putting towels around the bottom of the door. I'm talking about a cave. That's how I had to sleep. And it had to be cold. Oh, how cold. I don't care what the temperature was outside. I had to crack the window because it had to be cold, cold, cold. And I had to have a fan. I had to have something that blew in my face. And unfortunately... I passed down some of these traits to my kids to where we were known as the fan family. I mean, when we would go on a trip and we had to pack for it, we had to continually ask each other, you got enough room for the fans? You got enough room for the fans? In fact, if we were over the youth for a while, when we would pack up the youth fans to go to camp, there's the Ferris's fans all piled in with everybody else's. But I, I've gotten a little better about it. Um, and to, but to this day, even in hotels, in my hotel profile, I've got, like, preferences, i got box fans. So often when I show up, there's a box fan in my room. And if there's not, I've learned that for $5, housekeeping will find you a box fan. So anyway, I got off track. But uh, in our spiritual life, there is no time to sleep. No time to sleep. Remember the scripture... Uh, that Satan goes around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Do you know the traits of the animal that the lions seek out to eat? Well, there's a number of them, but one of them is they seek the weak. They seek the exhausted. They seek the ones that are distracted, essentially sleepwalking, not paying attention to what's going on, and they get off and get isolated by themselves. That's who they seek. And as Paul warns us, Satan goes around like a roaring lion. We have an enemy that is looking after us. And he's going to go after the ones that are weakest, the ones that are isolated, the ones that are going to be the, the easiest for him to pick off. So being exhausted from worry and stress and doubt makes you vulnerable to the enemy. Christ told his disciples shortly before he was crucified that he had to leave in order for the great comforter to come, the Holy Spirit. That promise Christ made to his disciples is a promise that is available to us today, the Holy Spirit. If we truly believe in the Bible, that it's inspired, that it is the word of God, 
then we must live according to what that scripture says. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. The scriptures tell us clearly that God has not given us the spirit of fear. Fear has a spirit that tends to make people timid, and indeed God has not given us that spirit. We cannot and should not be full of worry, stress, and doubt. Living a life like that is like putting your light under a basket, like the scripture we read earlier, it can't be seen. Turn to the person next to you and say, throw away that basket. Becoming spiritually weak from never spending time with the Lord makes you an easy target too. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of man. His word nourishes us. If you want to be vulnerable to the enemy that we have, just don't ever spend time in the word. Just don't ever give a thought to wondering, uh, what does the word say about this? Don't give any time to worshiping the Lord. Just allow yourself to become spiritually undernourished. And when you do, you're a ripe target for the enemy. Isolated. Allow yourself to be isolated. That's, all those things are like sleepwalking through your spiritual life. Worry and doubt and fear. Not spending time with the Lord and allowing yourself to be isolated. Those are the ones the enemy goes after. The way we get isolated is we just forsake the assembly of God. We just find things to do that are more important than spending time with God. And I'm not saying you have to come to a church building in order to spend time with God. But the context in which that scripture is written, forsake not the assembly of God, it's talking about don't stop going to church. Have you ever thought that the reason why you're supposed to go to church someday is because you're going there to encourage somebody else? So often I think we get caught up into, I don't feel like going to church today. Well, wake up. You're spiritually sleepwalking. If you just think the only reason why you come to church is to be fed spiritually. We, didn't, we don't come here to be entertained. We come here to encourage each other. And we come here in a in unity as a body of Christ to enter into God's presence. We come here to show our support for our leadership, for the speakers, for the worship team. We come here not just to be served, but we come here to serve. Can I get an amen? amen. And I'll say this one thing. I'm not a politician, right? But the Bible tells us to forsake not the assembly of God. And I strongly believe, and this is just me, that the government can tell us not to assemble today as believers, but I believe God's word overrules a government mandate. I heard a teaching recently entitled, Run to the Roar. Have y'all heard it? Yeah, great, great. I'll go ahead and tell it, even though it sounds like most of you heard it. I just loved it. Uh, so the speaker described how lions hunt. So while the male lions are what everyone thinks of when you talk about the lion, it's actually the female lions that are the best hunters. They're faster and they're quicker than the king of the jungle. When they go out to hunt at night, the male lion goes to one end of the grassland. 
and the female lions go to the other end of the grassland. And when they're positioned, the male lion begins to roar. And it's said that the roar of a lion can be heard for up to five miles. So when the lion begins to roar, the animals panic and they run away from the roar and they run straight into the female lion and they're devoured. But some animals are alert and they know that they run, you should run to the roar, not away from the war. Christians are spiritually sleepwalking if they live their lives by instinctively responding to everything that's going on around you. You've seen people that live their life that way. Oh, here's some news. That's terrible. I need to respond this way. Oh, did you hear what happened? Oh, oh, did you see that on the news? This is how I have to respond. That's not how, as Christians, we are instructed to live. We're expected to live by the Word of God. And the Word of God is what tells us how we should react under any situation. We shouldn't react based on what we think or feel. We should react on what the Holy Spirit reveals to us to do. And we should react upon what God's Word says we should do, regardless of whether we feel that way or not. If you remember when Christ was tempted, what did he say to Satan when he was tempted? He said, it is written. Say that with me. It is written. When Satan tempted him three different times, Christ said, it is written. And he quoted scripture back to Satan. I know what it's like, and I, you all know what it's like to be tempted. And in, our, in the natural, that earthly appetite that we have for things of the world, it's natural, right? I mean, we're, we're human, we sin. But instead of giving in to our own lust of the flesh, if we could remind ourselves, wait, it is written. Or if we are walking in relationship with the Lord, then not only can we remember Scripture, but we can hear that voice inside of us that says, don't do that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to run to the roar instead of sleepwalking through life and just reacting to everything that goes on around us. Romans 10.10 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. But I think people who are spiritually sleepwalking are living their life by some homemade version of this scripture. For example, if I declare with my mouth and believe in my heart that if I can make this much money a year, I can be saved. I'll be safe. If I declare with my mouth and believe in my heart that if I can drive this car, if I can live in this type of house, or if I can be in this specific relationship, or if I can win this game, I will be saved. I will be safe. The scripture tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit on our journey through life, not sleepwalking through life. Do not live your life by reacting to what is going on around you. Allow your, don't allow yourself to be distracted by the wor things of the world. 
Don't allow yourself to be distracted from what you're called to do. There's specific things that we all are called to do. I know that. But it really is pretty basic to love the Lord with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's really what we're called to do is to show the love of Christ, to reflect that light that within us, let it shine out. In Acts 28, 25, Paul talks about uh, Isaiah, a scripture from the Old Testament. He says, and when they did not agree with one another, they began to leave after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah, the prophet, to your father, saying, go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing but will not understand. You will keep on seeing but will not perceive. For the heart of this person has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I will heal them. What Paul just described is these people are asleep. They got, they're not hearing what's going on around them. They're not seeing what's going on around them. They're just walking around in a stupor, asleep at the wheel. But he says if they would wake up, if they'd open their eyes and open their ears and understand with their hearts and return, that he would heal them. If anything I'm saying to you today is leading you to believe, you know, I think I'm sleepwalking through life. I think I'm, I'm guilty. I think that's me. I mean, just know that the scripture says that if you will open up your eyes and your ears and understand with your heart and return that he will heal you. He'll wake you up. Paul says, therefore, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise men, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Be careful how you walk. John and I were youth pastors of the church for a number of years. I don't remember how many. Uh, but probably every three years, we would do this uh, exercise with the youth where we would demonstrate what it's like to be led by the Spirit, what it's like to walk with the Lord. So we would get paper plates. First, we'd put down a big sheet of plastic. And then we'd put paper plates out, scatter them around. They'd have raw eggs and peanut butter and mustard and all kinds of stuff on them. And then we would blindfold them. And we would say, this is your journey through life. This is what call, God's called you to go that way. And then we would spin them around in a circle, point them back in the right way, and like, start out on your walk with the Lord. And blindfolded, they would tromp through the raw eggs, the mustard, the ketchup, the peanut butter. It was this fun, it's funny exercise. And then we would put it back out, and we would put the same person that had just tromped through all of it and say, okay, now you have a relationship with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is living in you. Listen to what he says. Use your eyes. Use your ears and walk through your journey. And clearly, walking through that path of those messed up paper plates was very easy for them to avoid stepping in it because they could see and they could hear. We tried it 
the idea originally was we'll still keep them blindfolded, but we'll have the Holy Spirit, somebody on the side, telling them how to go, and that didn't work too good. So uh, we more the instructor or anything. But the exercise was effective, and it always spoke to me, too, about how I'm not to lean on my own understanding, but to be led by the Holy Spirit. What does he have for me? God has a plan for your life. There's no mistake about that. And I know firsthand when I felt like the Lord wanted me to do something, as much as I wanted him to lay out the whole picture for me and say, at the end, this is what's going to happen, I usually just got, take this step. And then take the next step. And then take the next step as I walked out what his plan was for me. And the cool thing about God is even when I took the next step the wrong way and I failed, it wasn't like, okay, I don't have a plan for you anymore. You let me down. No. He just got me right back on track and I kept on going. And the thing about it is I made the mistake before. (laughs) I've arrived. Look, I've done it. (laughs) And that is clearly the wrong step to take because you just set yourself up to be disappointed. But the real answer is there is no end to your journey with the Lord. Until he calls you home, there is no end to what he has planned for you. If you woke up this morning, then God has a plan for you. And that plan can be as simple as love the Lord with all your heart and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's that simple. It really is. When people live a life like that, they live a life that's fulfilled, and they live a life that just shines out to the world. I want to ask the worship team if they would to come up and... um, Thank God for the daylight. I spent a long time in the dark. Felt good saying goodbye. Waking up to a brand new heart. And if you're sleeping like I used to be, in a grave that holds you tight, there's a Savior calling. Promising a brand new life, he's saying.
Several years ago, I was, uh, you guys can start if you want. Several years ago, I was blessed to hear Bob Goff speak. I don't know if y'all heard Bob Goff. He's a attorney, a gifted speaker, and an author. And uh, if you ever get a chance, you can Google him. A lot of his stuff is out there. But uh, he's written two books. He's written several books, but Love Does and Everybody Always. I've, I've listened to the audio version of them, and uh, they really spoke to me. And if you haven't, if you haven't read it or listened to it, I'd encourage you to do it. Each each chapter lasts about 10, 12 minutes, and they, for the most part, each stands alone. And the thing that's so cool about how he's lived his life, and as I've read about it, he, he's lived the most amazing life of anybody I know. And basically, he lives his life on the premise of, well, why not? Really, what he's saying, well, let's do it. So he gets presented with opportunities by other people, and his response is usually, well, why not? So I share books with people a lot, and had a lot of prayer partners that had my job. Matt Crossland served with me as president. We shared an office between two doors, and between the door we shared two offices. And uh, I gave my testimony about my 25 years at a company that was recently sold. And in it, I talked about prayer partners and how they sustained me through it. Now, Greg was such a key for me personally. But Brad was the Christian guy. It's like, don't give up. We can do it. So in Bob Goff's book, the one, one, one of the stories, all of them spoke to me, but one of them really did. And uh, I'm not sure how old his kids were at the time, but when 9-11 happened, he rushed home because he didn't want his kids to hear about what was going on from the news media or anybody else. He wanted them to hear it from him. So he came home and he got his kids together and he said, look, this is what's happened. And they were just so moved by it. Like, why would people do that? Why are people so evil? We need to do something about it. So he said, well, what do you, what do you want to do? And it's like, let's write letters to all the leaders in the world and invite them to come to our house and have dinner with us, and we can talk. And he said, why not? So they, he got a list of all the world leaders, and his kids wrote letters to every one of them. And they got them. They put a return address for the special post office box he set up, and they mailed them out. And they would come home from school every day, and they'd stop by the mail by the post office, and they'd look in there, and there'd be nothing. And this, there was nothing this day. A week later, there's nothing. And then wait, here, here's a response from a world leader. It's like, thank you so much for inviting me. I can't come, uh, but I appreciate it. And then they start a few that's like, well, thank you so much for inviting me. I can't come, but would you come to my house and have dinner with me? So I think out of all the world leaders, about 12 of them responded, inviting them to come to their house to have dinner. This is a true story. So, uh, so their dad, the kid said, well, dad, we're going to go. And he said, why not? So he books a flight for his family to hop from country to country to meet with these world leaders. And they took a little gift with them. It was a little small box. And so the leaders were gracious. They listened to these kids talk and talk about how we need to love one another and you know, 
should be evil in the world. And he would give them this small box. They'd give them a small box. And they would open it up, and in the box would be a key to their front door. Like, you're welcome. Come to my house anytime. And I, like I said, I give a lot of books away. And so when I retired, for the short period of time I retired, uh, one of the guys that I'd given a book with sent me a letter with a really cool little note, one of my prayer partners. I was so moved by it. And when I took it out, this key fell out. So I knew what it meant, right? That I'm always here for you. Don't ever worry. If you ever need me for any reason, you know where to find me. That's the invitation that Christ has for us, right? Like, I'm always here. You know where to find me. This song talks about swing wide, heavenly gate. When we open ourselves up, he comes in, filled with his presence, and the light that shines in us shines out. So we're going to sing this song again, let the light in. I want to invite some of our members of our prayer team to come down to the front while we start singing this. And I want you to do this with me symbolically. Get your key in your hand, okay? Get your key. Everybody get your key up. Let me see you with your key. No, just symbolically. It can just be your finger, right? Now, I want you to put it right here on your heart, and I want you to open it up. And I want you to just open your heart up to praise the Lord with our worship team leaders. And if, while he's doing that, while we're doing that, if the Holy Spirit is encouraging you, wake up. He's encouraging you or as the scripture says, you are dead in your sins if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. If you are dead in your sins, today is the day for you to begin your second life by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if the, where some of the worship team would come forward, the altar's open, and I'll come back and close this after we sing the song.